When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I, I, w- I would have to put it on to do a really sharp one. Go on, give me... Give me um, teach me a little Boston phrase. What should I say if I go to Boston? You can't really do it without swearing. Okay. Um, but let's see, like, like they're interested, like, like, you would say, like, like the word ma, right, ma. for your mother. Yeah, yeah. Ma. so you'd say, is ma downstairs? Is ma downstairs. But if, if, it, if that word was followed by a vowel, you'd have to add an R. So you'd say, is Myra upstairs? Is Myra upstairs? Yeah. Is that all right? Is Myra upstairs? You're listening to Cobras and Fire, a Pantheon podcast. Hosted by two men voted most likely to leave your party early. Elsie Fox and Baco. Well, that disco thing can't you get funky? All them pretty songs seem too slow. I like to sit and pick with them good old boys. Maybe new waves and I just don't know. When the critics try to analyze a current trend, I just sit back and watch them come and go. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, LC. And I'm joined, as always, with the Bostonian Baco. How are you, sir? Ah, uh, get out of here. You know, uh, us Beantowners call it Beantown. I want to make sure. I knew you were going to say Beantown. I was like, <laughs> what's the word that nobody says if you actually live there? And that's Beantown. Uh, yeah, and the other thing I learned is that uh, do not call the North End Little Italy to anybody from the Boston area or the North End. So, mm, Okay. Interesting. That's so, a tourist term, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I've seen your pictures all around town, checking out witches, going to Salem, seeing the all the uh, evil parts of Boston. Uh, you want to share a little bit about your anniversary trip? That was awesome. Excellent. <laughs> always, a, always a good storyteller. Yeah, we spent. Uh, we were we were out there for a little over a week. We spent a few days in Boston, a couple days in Salem. Um, we were Salem for our, our anniversary on Halloween. We were there all day. Which was just it was it was pretty fucking insane, man. Um, 
And I'm glad I did it, but I would not do it again. It, like, it was worth the experience, but maybe if I was younger. But even then, it wasn't really a party scene. So, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm going to be this, this, this old man who doesn't want to get wasted, try to find a place to piss all day. Mm. You know, maybe if in, in when I was 40 or, you know, my, or mid-30s, I could still kind of hang like that. But it, no, it really wasn't that. I, don't, I didn't see any, but I didn't, alcohol wasn't present as big as this thing was, so, which was weird when you're talking about Halloween and adults in costumes. It always seems like there's at least a, there's booze available. How about that? You know, right. not, not, mean, everybody, not everybody gets hammered and pukes, but right, like 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 you're putting the expectation of a microbrewery in a birthing barn kind yeah. of uh, situation, right? Yeah, there's beer everywhere at a at a, at a fair. Typically, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can go to the state fair and and be you know, and within 20 minutes, you know, 12 places to get a uh, eight dollar beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of just expected something like that, even though you know that wasn't going to be my scene this that day anyway. I will tell you that it's really cool because of the history, the you know, of of just that area. Not you know, Salem, you know, has the whole witch history, uh, the witch trials and stuff that we kind of got into. But they also have these old graveyards where you see headstones that say like sixteen twenty ninety two is a death date, right. um, and they have like stories that tell you how they died if you can still read it anyway. Some huh. of them they're they're, they're ineligible. Uh, the uh, main six blocks is like a pedestrian. It's a it's a street, but it's all it's shut off to traffic. It's cobblestone. The cobblestone is newish, but there's there's these big like I don't know, forty yard by ten yard wide chunks in the middle of of each block that is the original seventeen hundreds cobblestone. So it's kind of neat to be walking on that, but it's not very comfortable. It's really <laughs> twisted <laughs> right. ankle, but. Uh, and my immediate thought was, as cool as this is, I really hope, and I don't think it will just because of the kind of thing it is, but this entire month of October is like insane, apparently. Every weekend is just jam-packed, and it's, it's really difficult to get in and around. Um, and it's popular all year round, but it had, this is it's basically it's Mardi Gras is the entire month of October. And I just worry that like this is going to turn into like Las Vegas or what's happening in Nashville where, you know, next time you, I'll go in five years and it'll be like, oh, there's Bobby Flay's Salem Burgers, you know, <laughs> okay. and all this shit where it's just, you know, corporate. Because right now it's just all local stuff. Um, a lot of the witch stuff is really hokey and silly. Um, the Witch Museum was fun, but just ridiculous. Uh, and we got a tour, uh, a two-hour walking tour from the Satanic Temple. Um, and there's focused pretty much on facts and they, they kept hammering at home. Like, uh, you're going to take some of these tours and they're really going to kind of deal with some of the mythology or the, the hocus pocusy kind of stuff. Um, we're going to just kind of tell you what, what happened and where they happened. And, and that was, that was more my speed. Now, can I, can yeah, I put ahead. a complaint in just, just that you said that it was the satanic temple giving you this tour, correct? Mm-hmm. I would have immediately put in a complaint if it wasn't as as thorough as possible and just say i thought the devil was in the details <laughs> uh well they they were full on details uh oh, okay good i have do have one complaint uh first of all if you're gonna take this tour it probably it, we researched i'm not really a tour guide kind of guy i like to just look around and kind of read and, and do my own kind of thing because tour guides always are trying to like get that little laugh and like oh and they're just telling oh, the sure. same fucking joke they're always telling and it's always the hokey bullshit but this, we researched, and, and Amy recommended this one, so I looked into it, and it seemed like, well, if I was going to do one, this would be it. There is one complaint. At the end, of course, because they have merchandise to sell. I was, I'm wearing a T-shirt. I love uh, it. Yeah. Um, hail, hail Satan, established yeah. 666. We walk back to the Satanic Temple, which you would think 
is really not that big a deal, right? It is a 20-minute walk to the temple, and then it's like 10 minutes to 10, and we are now that much further away from the train that uh, is taking us back to Boston. It's not near, like, it's out of the way. And I'm like, maybe figure out a way to to sell your merch, you know, whatever. Um, Oh, yeah, and I I think I cast a spell or something there. Good. Um, but yeah, and also I didn't know this, uh, all the, all the groups we're in that told us don't, you know, it's horrible. You can't pee. You won't find a place to sit. You'll never get into a restaurant. Um, all the doom and gloom. They didn't tell us that they shoot fireworks off at 10. They did tell us that, but then it's like, uh, like, you know, the, the French quarter in Mardi Gras where the, the police line up on one end of that main street and just start hurting Everybody, and so all of a sudden, we're in the middle of about five to eight thousand people, I would estimate, trying to catch the last three trains back to Boston. And it's kind of like I'm standing there, and nobody's moving. I can't even they, I can't even see where we're going. And I'm thinking I would pay one hundred dollars to have my car right now because um, we were told like it's going to be fifty bucks to park. I'm like I would pay twice that right. just to get out of my car right now and just drive. Uh, it was a long. It was like 13 hours, basically. We were in in uh, Salem that day. So nice. Yeah, man. No, that's just there a couple things of that. First, I think it's awesome the fact that you did. You keep combining. Uh, you're a good planner. I mean, between I'm, I'm assuming that you and Amy do work on this together. Yeah. But but uh, but that's pretty cool. You keep ki- continuing the tradition of your Halloween anniversary date and doing stuff like that. I think that's awesome. Uh, give me a smile to see you. I'm like, I'm like, of course he, he incorporated some amount of evil <laughs> into his trip. You know what I mean? Like when I saw the Boston stuff and then I saw the Salem yeah. uh, things, but you kind of kept it under wraps. Like I had no idea. All of a sudden I see you popping up all over Boston. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, this is, he's, he's there for a stint. This is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. So it, I was it, glad to see it. And I had a couple other questions too. Yeah. The uh, first, when you were looking at some of the gravestones, did you see any that said it didn't float? <laughs> no, no, nothing that, uh, Nothing that. For the I think that's actually European witch trials. Oh, okay. Um, that was 19 hangings is what they're known for. Is is Salem? Yeah. Okay, and that's what I'm saying too. Is that I, I think that your fear of it turning into like a Bobby Flay tourist place. You know, there's only so many. There's only a certain niche of people that are like, hey, do you want to see where people were persecuted uh, wrongly and uh, and put to death? Like there's, I kind of thought that but you, you would be surprised. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever been on a trip anywhere where I've ran into so many European foreigners. Oh, I mean, we we met people from uh, France, Norway, a bunch from England. Um, they were the easiest ones to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Oh huh? God. What? And then oddly enough, and I don't mean this. To, I just wonder if there's something here, like some like kind of belief. Didn't see Japanese until the f- November first because we went back on uh, November first to kind of have yeah. a more low key day in Salem, and all of a sudden that's where we saw like four or five different Japanese tour groups. Okay, um, well, that's because you can't take photos of witches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. I wonder if it's something like their belief is like we can't be there on Halloween. Like, oh no, you know, the different cultures. You know, I I have no idea. It's just it was just. It was alarmingly obvious. I'm like, there's another one. Yeah, hmm. but uh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, the is that it for for Salem? Well, the, as no? far as the French group, uh, they, they were actually like mid twenty year old kids, and oh. they reminded me of like the the type of European you'd run into in hostel that's going to kill you. 
Like they're well dressed, <laughs> okay. you know, white, you know, well groomed. It's it's like they these these young men had the exact same haircut I do, but there's something about theirs that makes it looks like it was seven hundred dollars and mine was twenty. <laughs> you know, it's just I don't know what it's you know short fade on the side, a little on. I top. gotcha. And like, look, yeah, theirs looks way better, man. <laughs> so Europeans, man, and also, so if they're like hostile, you just don't care if they die because I didn't care if anybody in that movie died oh, immediately. I, 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 I hated them. Yes. Yes. So. Exactly. That's a. I have to care a little bit about the characters in a, in a horror movie for me to continue on. Like yeah. the, when they add like character development, like in um, Lamageddon, then you stick in. Oh, you know I mean? got you. Yeah, I can go either way, man. There's a lot of times where it's a lot of fun to watch a movie where you, and because um. Horror movies, as much as I love them, they're they're so they're like really predictable. Mm-hmm. I'm always rooting for some kind of twist ending where the pretty girl that you know is the main character and is supposed to live dies like before the black guy. Yeah, true. Give me something. Is there like one? That. Is there one that twists it like that? Well, there like you said, uh, yeah. The, there's definitely some where you there there aren't people who root, you root for, but yeah, you know what? I I know there is. There's like a handful of movies that I really like the. The ending that, and it, the problem is, I'm like the only one. It seems like you know people tend to complain when they don't get exactly what they want. Sure, I, I have I have one other question too, and that was that that Cheers about the same size bar or it was not open. Expected? It was not oh, open. We man. just walked over okay. to it and got a picture in front of the door. So that's too bad. I've I don't know if they have limited the hours or if it's closed. I actually didn't investigate it at all. I okay. pulled the door handle and was like, "Well, oh, it's locked." And I looked in the window; it was dark. I'm like, let's just get a picture. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, so you did, that's why yeah. I was asking that part. So, I definitely um, got my steps in that week. So Nice. Yeah. But now my back hurts. Witch trials and going on on a, you know doing a trip and also ha- hanging out with other podcasters like we had a fellow Sly Dog mm. um, encounter uh, this weekend or last night and you want to mention that too I just love seeing all the podcast unity uh, yeah um, so Alex from the Sly Dog podcast reached out a few months back said he was going to be in town wanted me to take him and his dad record shopping. Um, and that cool. was quite an experience because his dad is a farmer from North Dakota. I, you know, I guess I don't know as much about like uh, your upbringing, but to me, like everything about this dude when I first saw him was like, that's a fucking North Dakota farmer. I mean, it's very similar to the farmers I grew up with in, in Minnesota. 
except for he really likes rat. You know, <laughs> you know. I love it. We're sitting there and we're That's talking the about. I can't remember what it was. I'm just gonna make up a name, but we were talking about some band. And we're sitting down like, and it's like I think it was at breakfast. And I'm like, oh god, who was the uh, the 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 bass player in in talking? And like, that was uh, Jeff Bilson. <laughs> yeah, was, so awesome. he, he was a he was a really cool guy. There was one glaring error. So Alex invited me into their Airbnb to to kind of meet his wife and mom, and then you know collect his father so we could go off and and uh, buy some vinyl. Well, actually, I, Alex bought every CD that was left in the Twin Cities, but. Um, <laughs> uh, his dad, you know, kind of gets up and, you know, getting ready to go, gets his coat on and then puts on this fucking Packer hat. <laughs> oh, boy. And I'm like, you cannot wear that in my car. I cannot go in public with you. <laughs> but no, Alex's dad was great. Uh, we had a lot of fun. And then, yeah, we hooked up with uh, Gene and uh, Andy for lunch, uh, like mid-afternoon. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's but- cool. I had but, a uh, just, yeah I had a, a a handful of hookups with old friends new friends the last few days it's been I haven't really had rest since I got home uh, so I'm looking forward to passing out after the Vikings win today so excellent um, well, glad to catch up with you and uh, get into some rock and metal talk so I do have a question you- for you yeah I think uh, I was in a situation last night that I wasn't quite prepared for. It was uh, Amy's best friend's 50th birthday party, and it was supposed to be a surprise. Now, my first question, I got two questions for you. If the invite that's for a surprise birthday party, I invite you because you're, you're, it's, we're going to surprise your wife. Or, sure. Or, no, like it wouldn't make any sense. I'm inviting you to Amy's 50th birthday party. Be there at five. What time am I going to walk in the door with Amy and you yell surprise? Okay, the party starts, the, the invite says be there at 5? Yeah. Okay, I would say that the surprise happens at 5.30, just, or 5.45, just to make sure everybody gets there in time and is hidden or whatever. Yep. Sounds about right. We walked in the door at 5.05, and it was already done. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That is the most punctual <laughs> surprise ever. And the thing is that, like, I had already had these plans with Alex a couple months beforehand, and all he told me when he asked me about this, because I might maybe would have asked, like, could you just, you know, give me a little bit of buffer uh, if he would if I'd known it would be at five was that he was like, well, it's going to be in the evening. I'm like, well, we'll I'm thinking seven o'clock. Right. You know, it's a birthday party for an adult. We're not you know, five o'clock. So yeah. I actually was really fucking tight. I made great time. You know, I had to drive a fucking down basically to my hometown. Um, so yeah, that was one thing. And so I, we will open the door. There's a guy outside smoking. He's like, yeah, Kathy's already here. So we knew. And then I opened the garage door and like, everybody's just basically got their back turned to us where they're at. Right. So I sit there for about two seconds and then I just yell surprise. And (laughs) (laughs) the other thing is, when was the last time you were somewhere where there was smoking indoors? I can't. I'm going to say in the mid, I'm going to say the early aughts. Yeah, it has to be. Well, I would say probably. At least 15 years. I mean, I didn't smoke in my house probably the, since I bought it. So it would have been before that. I mean, if if I was, tell you what, the last time I was, if, if it was a situation, they were smoking pot, mm-hmm. which isn't right. a whole lot better. But anyway, there was 
two women and one I'm not kidding chain smoking like she probably went through a pack in the in, in the four amazing. hours we were there amazing one other woman smoking about half her speed and then two other people that were casually smoking and it was disgusting I I, right. I smelt it all the way home and it's just and there was kids here too and I'm like this is and it seemed almost like well this is my house kind of thing it's like yeah but you're having a party you're inviting a lot of people just I just I, I couldn't I can't even fathom the mindset right. that that that's and they, you know this person looked like you know they might have an oxygen lung somewhere too you know or it's, sure of course but it's just a, it, the longer I'm away from my old hometown it seems like the more of a time warp it is when I go back I don't know if it was like that when you were visiting it's every Indiana. time yes it's yes. like it's like certain aspects where do where do you get your clothes I don't even know where I would buy what you're wearing I remember uh, the small town mentality. I just touched on this here. Was, was if you have, and I know you're not a polo shirt guy, but just in, in general, if you have a collar on, you well, I wear a polo it. shirt Monday through Friday at work. Oh, you do. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, but that's required. But like that's like almost like a uniform. <laughs> Under Armour, you know, maybe uh, sure. some Callaway golf. Okay, okay. So that's the the, the dress code there or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But in general. Like for whatever reason it was, if you had if you showed up someplace and you were having a collar on your shirt, then you better be <laughs> at a funeral or a wedding, or you might be one of those lightweight kind of dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this is a that, this is a this is a blue collar town kind of thing. It was almost like that in in uh, in high school. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like like uh, that, to my point is, you would go to events and you'd be like, oh, this must be a real special occasion because you have a. Yeah. A shirt, a shirt that doesn't have uh, the name of of the tractor that you purchased. Yeah, I would say that's uh, probably similar to the crowd I was hanging out with uh, last night. So my um, point is, what do you mean smoking outside? We're real men. We do it inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only women. I didn't see a single dude smoking a cigarette. Oh, okay, <laughs> those are real women. Is my point. You know, I, I mentioned I meant to look. I was only in a gas station in Bo- in Boston and Salem one time, and I forgot. But I, I, it was definitely noticeable walking around Boston, seeing more people out smoking. Now, they're outside smoking. They weren't, you know, I mean, it was just like, but it was, I wonder if cigarettes are cheaper there. Oh, I would think so. Come on. They, they got to make concessions somehow. Keep, I almost made that. a joke to this woman that didn't stop smoking, but I knew how this story would go. It would, because I'd be like, geez, how can you afford to smoke that much? You know, and it would have been like, I go to Iowa. There are only three bucks down there. And then they leave out the story how they lose their ass at the casino. And if you factor into the cost of the cigarettes and the gas, those packs of cigarettes are about $33 a pack now. But uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always love that, too. Yeah, I go to the I go to the, the, the casino. They don't have the, the I can't remember, the, the tariffs or whatever, you know, duty-free. Yeah, it's like, and it, it's like, it's not really any cheaper. I've done, I've like the first time I went to a casino, I'm like, I'm gonna stock up on smokes while I'm here. I'm like, they're like four cents a pack less. No, I'm no, not driving that, two and a half hours to save four cents. Yeah, I think that even the casinos have almost all non-smoking now. Yeah, I think about it like that. Well, they but still uh, all, somewhere in there will sell you cigarettes. Yeah, so. oh for sure. I mean, everybody gets a free keg and a free tribal you know. laws. <laughs> exactly, tribal laws. It's called revenge. Is what those is what those tribal laws are. The, revenge the, against the white man. The mentality <laughs> of the gambler is always about lying to, the, like justifying everything in their their own head. Of course, you know it's like you know they they always talk about what they win, not how much they lost. And oh, I saved so much money. You should really go to the casino and buy your cigarettes. And then the first time you do, it's like I'm not saving any money when you factor in gas. 
So yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think that kind of a a gambler's mentality is very similar to a rat fan defending um, um, Reach for the Sky. You know, they're just lying to themselves. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's my favorite rat album. Uh, <laughs> Oh my or god! De- yeah. Or de- I'm sorry, detonator. It was uh, you know, uh, Alex's dad mentioned that he he was a big rap was one of his favorite groups still. Uh-huh. Um, sure. And so I wasn't just I was I wasn't like making a joke there. That was literally what he was saying. We're at a record store and I, I I'm flipping through and I see a, a pretty clean copy, an '83 pressing of the Rat debut EP, Damn. and I'm like, hey, you know, Alan, you want this? And he's like, I'll take that. Motherfucker bought a $30 rat EP at a record store. I'm, I was impressed. Eh, that's not that bad for an EP. Brand new one. Or yeah, whatever. I just want when to I see someone debut. who looks and talks like that and you tell them this is $30, they go, I wouldn't pay more than 10 cents for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the, sure. It's difficult to rat. Like, yeah, it's really not that much to, to get a clean copy of that record. Because there weren't a ton of oh. them. This is before Atlantic Records. Sure. Uh, so, but it just, it just kept blowing my mind. This this guy was no joke when it came to his hair metal knowledge. And his, hey Alex's mom, in the middle of fucking nowhere, North Dakota, had a copy of that Brett Michaels record, Sounds, Songs in the Key of Life. <laughs> like, we ran across that, and, I, and he's like, oh, my, I'm so sick of that record. My mom would play, like, where the hell did she even get it? There was only four <laughs> copies made. Is that the one with the uh, the cover of uh, Sublime? No, this is before that. This is the oh, okay. lean years of 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 <laughs> Brett Michaels when he was playing bars and before Listen, Rock of Love. If Aaron Camaro can get a copy of Ugly Kid Joe in Wisconsin, he they, they can find a copy of Brett Michaels in North Dakota. Yeah, it uh, might be the, one of their key key markets. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, maybe you, maybe you crack the code, but uh, so I'm saying. Listen, that's but but uh, very cool to have that. I hope to to. To show my my son my cop, I hope to go on Bobo Flex searches <laughs> thirty years from now. Is, is, is for my, my will son podcasting out. still be a thing? Do you think your son will do his own podcast and uh, oh, talk about his yeah. dad's music collection? Yeah, you go. I went back to the all these episodes. Horrible, horrible, terrible character. For a while now, and I've been chomping at the bit to get into this. Mick Mars finally released a song, "Loyal to the Lie." Um, I don't know who. Did, 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 how do you want to get into this? I have some thoughts to share. Did you want to go first? Did you, you mentioned uh, you had the press release for it. I I do. Yes, I have the press. Should release we start with that, or should we give our thoughts first? Um. Yeah, we can give our thoughts on the song first. Why not? C minus. 
I, I would give it the same same grade. Has a, a decent chorus, uh, but what I was hoping to find, I would think if as a guitarist, what you would release is something that had a at least a ripping solo at some point. Yeah, the first like thing that. you're ever putting out into the world as a solo artist, and you're a guitar player, and and, and you're Mick Mars, and you don't have just some insane solo that popped out to me too. Um, yeah. Just in I, look, I, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that good of a song. I think it's, it's the biggest problem. No. And the singer is, um, look, he's, he's very talented, but it's one of those generic-ass kind of singers that could be anybody. And uh, it's too bad the Karabi tracks aren't going to be on the record. He was kind of dismissive as to why. He made it clear it had nothing to do with John or the quality of John. He's like, there was a third party that got involved, and it just ruined it. No. What I thought when I heard it, though, was this sounds like Octane spit out mm-hmm. a song that, that fit their format, and somehow they put Mick Mars. If you didn't tell me Mick Mars was on this track, I would not know. I wouldn't know it from the guitar tone. I wouldn't know for anything. So, yeah. But uh, that, that's my initial thing, but we'll, we'll hope that the other nine songs are better. I'm going to get it either way. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've got the press release in front of me, if you wouldn't mind. I'm going to hit a few things on it. Uh, I'm on, unless you have anything else to say? No, No, I'm good. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So, yeah. So I just noticed all of a sudden somebody is in charge of Mick Mars' uh, publicity, obviously. He's got some nice black and white pictures. It has him in an Adirondack chair, chilling. I I should say, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, I actually consider, because we know what, what Mick is mobily. Yeah. Um, without taking any cheap shots, because we've done we've done enough of that, right? I was impressed with the video. I was like, you know what? This is a uh, this delivered visually in a way that doesn't make it obvious. This guy can barely stand. I thought it right. was cool. I thought it was creepy. It didn't look cheap or or terribly cheesy, you know, like uh, like maybe the recent Dokken video. <laughs> <laughs> Or the or, lynch mob video is actually really or any or any docking video <laughs> poorly poorly done, but uh, yeah, uh, I thought I thought that that was executed very well. Anyway, back to yes. the press release. Sorry. All right. So so basically, uh, it starts out talking about the fact that he's stepping away from Motley Crue, but there's just a couple key parts I want to talk about. So mostly his quotes. So it says that basically, you know, talks about his history. And hold on for a second. God damn it. I'll clean this up here. This, hold on, this, this, this. All right. Sorry about this. So here's the beginning of the press release. Then we'll skip to the part that uh, some of his quotes that I find interesting. Okay. So when Mick Mars stepped. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now you got me excited. <laughs> when Mick Mars stepped back from touring with Motley Crue, the band he co-founded more than 40 years ago, Following their massive summer 2022 stadium tour, it seemed like the end of an era. Really, it was the beginning of a new one. Dude. Then it goes into all of his uh, history with with Motley and everything, and the fact that it's called, what's the name of the song? Loyal to the Lie. Yes, and the name of the album is the aptly titled The Other Side of Mars. Fans get that vision in its full Multi-farious glory. Ace for I need. Ace really upset you. with the title, by the way. What? Ace really wants to like oh, fight oh, over that. like, hey, where do you? <laughs> I'm the space guy. 
Anyway, go ahead. Now, now, first, I need you to look up the word multifarious because I have never okay. seen this in a, in a press release. All ever. Right. And it's almost that. like they ran out of words and they need to use it for so, so. And first off, a Motley Crue fan does not know multifarious. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, having <laughs> boy, this is talk about a word that didn't need any definition. Uh, many and of various types. <laughs> Multifarious activities, for instance, would mean you have lots of activities. Uh, having many varied parts or aspect. A vast multifarious organization. So, yes, I've never heard that term before, so thank you, Elsie. Yes, exactly. We're here to, we're here to educate. But listen, uh, he, they talk about the, the fact that it's, you know, it has these. It starts going to some of the, the tracks. Then it starts talking about everybody that's involved in it. The guitarist enlisted a crack team of musicians to help him along the way. A key contributor to the project was winger and former Alice Cooper keyboardist <laughs> and, like Mars, Nashville resident, Paul Taylor. Oh, you know, Nashville resident was key there. They were running out of adjectives, uh-huh. and so they're like, we need one more. What do we got? They both live in Nashville. Nashville resident. Bam. Yes. And, and this is the whole thing. When I think about an upcoming Mar- McMars release... One of the selling points is not any keyboardist being yeah. involved in the project, correct? Now, I did listen to his uh, interview with Eddie Trunk, which is a must-listen. Oh, I need to <laughs> listen to that still. You got an overbearing buffoon and, <laughs> and uh, a 90-year-old man. <laughs> anyway, but... Anything that... Sounds- anything... I, I, by the way, I loved listening back to your, your Eddie Trunk impression of anything that connects with him and he gets excited about. Anything yeah. that, that Mars said that he got like uh, excited about? Like, you know, not uh, that I recall specifically, um, but yeah, it was... It was pretty silly, uh, but no. The, it sounds like Paul Taylor was largely there as a songwriter. He, right. Paul Taylor is also a guitar player in Winger, um, but the fact that they mentioned keyboardist in the the press release kind of tells me that maybe that he does do keyboards on the record. So, yeah, that's what they keep kind of leaning on. Yeah. Um, okay. In addition to performing on the record and assisting Mars and co-writing many of the tracks, introduced the guitarist to powerful vocalist Jacob Bunton. Now, here's the quote that I wanted to go over. Jacob came into the studio, and it was like, bam! I just said, yeah, he's the guy. Now, you're quoted. this is a Mick Mars quote? Yes, this is a Mick Mars Can quote. Can I say it the way Mick Mars said it? Please. All right. <clears throat> J- Jacob came into the studio, and it, 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 bam! That's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> Who's the guy? Who's the uh, the food guy that all says bam? Oh, oh Emerald. That's what I mean. I just I, I I don't think that I don't think that that Mick Mars has ever said the word bam kapow. You know what? Uh, Mick Mars needs to Cyrano de Bergiac his future interviews with Emerald playing the role of Mick Mars. <laughs> just any quote? Yeah. Well, no, no. Like he has like an earpiece and like he gets asked a question. Mick tells him the answer and then Emerald says it like Paul Taylor came in and wrote a song. Bam. Exactly ridiculous bam come on the supporting band was rounded out by corn drummer ray luzier does bassist. he live in nashville i doesn't <laughs> say that he's a nashville resident so I think, oh okay i don't think if, if there's not a parenthesis that mentions nashville they must be from out of town okay bassist chris collier and singer brian gambos who contributed lead vocals on two songs so eight out of the uh, this is very jarring so they have 10 songs Eight or one guy and two or another guy. Yeah, and none weird. of them are Karabi. 
for whatever reason. Yeah, so, and Jacob Button. Get a, you, the Jacob part is fine. Maybe switch to Jake, a little more rocking. Uh, yeah. But Button? No, you got to do no. something there, bro. Yeah, I think so, too. Like yeah, Jake Ripper. Get, Jake Ripper, something like that. But, <laughs> Jake but he's got, Camaro. <laughs> but then the part that's super confusing on this, though, is it says, but while Mars surrounded himself with a new cast of players for the sessions. I don't think that the drummer is that new, much of a new cast. Maybe it just means new to him. There's yeah, one I figure... There's one figure who represented a significant link to a storied past, Michael Wagoner. Hmm. So, now, they're leaning on the fact that at one point, I believe, Michael was involved in the production with Karabi, and maybe somehow through this, I don't even know if these, I'm just curious to know if any of these songs were ones that Karabi was on, or anything like that, and slowly morphed into the 10 that they're putting out, or they're keeping his name on there to sell records because yeah, okay. he's involved in the process somehow, right? You know what I mean? Like who who actually really produced this this version? Yeah, I kind of get where you're going, and and to the Karabi thing because my initial thought was like because I know when it when it first came out, Nikki mentioned that hey, we have the the agreement that they've since blown up. It doesn't sound like Motley Crue or Nikki are it, have any role in Karabi's tracks not being on here. It sounds like. It's it, the way he talked about it was kind of like I trusted this guy with my money and I lost my house. Anyway, that's that's pretty much it. I, I mean, it, he it, there's a lot of uh, what I'm looking at this right now is I almost think that the the working title for this album was called Elder Abuse because mm-hmm. because it seems like they're taking him and kind of he had a bunch of consultants come in and say this is the direction that we'll sell, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll we'll morph this into some other product, and that's what I think this is going to be. Um, is kind of what I what I take from this, and but it's which is unfortunate. I think it'll be less organic than than it should be. It does sound like it's been. It literally has been something he's piecemealed over the last. You know, when did we first hear about this? About eight years ago. So um. there's one last thing that that also does not sell. I think anybody on this. It says that he wanted to do something different, and one of the ten tracks is the result is having a result is a record unlike Mars has offered up in more than his 40-year career. Take the piano and strings track Memories, which Mars recalls he Hmm. began writing when he was still touring with Motley. I gave the track to Paul Taylor, and I had him transpose all my parts to keyboard, and then I said, that's it. I don't want any drums. I don't want any over-the-top, here-comes-the-sun-over-the-mountains-in-the-chorus kind of crap. I want to keep it simple and focus on the melody. So you heard it. On a McMars album, there's one of the one of the ten tracks is a completely non-guitar <laughs> track with just strings and uh, and and keyboards. Well, you know, whatever. If, if he's a songwriter and he wants to do that, I don't think one track is out there. I just think it's weird to throw out a track that, whether it's good or not, is a blistering kind of high energy rock song, mm-hmm. and you don't have a McMars guitar solo worth a damn on it. Right. So right. that was right. a little off. Now, there is a new trend I'm noticing. Uh, I, I, it really popped with this, and the Rolling Stones both said the same thing shortly after their records, or this song, and then the Rolling Stone album came out. But I've noticed that other bands have been saying this now for a while. I've already started working on songs for the next record. Is that what he says in the interview? Yeah, and oh. uh, the Rolling Stones said the same thing. It's like, we've already got some tracks done for our next album, and it's just like, yeah, just, I don't know. Anyway, kind of weird. Right. Maybe that's yes. the new thing to do, out of this, to keep the kids engaged. The TikToks.
Well, Kerry King finally announced his long-awaited new project from Slayer. He's been kind of teasing that he's been putting together a new band for a few years now. Uh, I'm sure he's COVID is an excuse of, of why we haven't seen anything at this point, but uh, he's cleverly calling it Kerry King. And which is cool, whatever. I actually really like the logo where it's like two back-to-back K's that form an upside-down cross in between it. So uh, maybe that's what he's been spending his time on. He's like, I just got to get the perfect logo, and then I can put together a band. But I found out about this because of the it was tied into, like, Carrie King has a new band, and they're playing Rockville 2024. Yep. And then I saw the Rockville lineup, and, of course, it's fucking four days, but... Uh, you know what? Basically, every band is there, so you might as well go. Yeah, it's uh, it kind of has that same lineup picture that you see at Hellfest and um, some of the some of the European festivals. That there's like five stages and, and all that. It's four days, and then what's odd? If is I'm that reading you, this right, I'm seeing eight stages. Yeah. Eight. Well, it looks like Thursday you got headliner Motley Crue on one stage, Disturb on it. Oh wait, no, 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 no. You're right. I'm I'm reading it wrong. It looks like one, two, two, three, four, five stages. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and everybody has like the the stages are kind of a theme ish for each place. But what's odd though is still with all this, there's maybe five six bands per day. (laughs) I can I can see. And and the the problem with these fests and everything is it's these same bands. If you were to take this and shake it up, and it'd be 2010 to 12 for the most part, it's the same. Let me push back a little bit on that. I do have a question for this because this has always been like. we don't really talk about it a lot, so I don't know how to. For the listener, we've had some conversations where, you know, we we talk about these festivals as they come up, but it's really not much for me to say. But you always say the same thing: I only like so many bands. Blah, blah, blah. Who is missing that you want on here? Um, bands that aren't from the U.S. Yeah, give me names, like, and where would you put them? Um. There wouldn't be anybody big. And if you want Listen, to come back to this, I'm hitting you cold. I, I don't. No, understand. no. It's 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 just the fact that the the headliners are always always the same. You're going to have that. I I get some of that. I'm just saying it's it's more of a a statement on where we are in rock right okay, now. Okay, fair you enough. Have, where you have you continuously have here's disturbed stage. Here's yeah. Here's some. I mean, some forty one. Um, I, I agree with that, but I, I, I think my 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 vantage point comes from I think we want something different from the festival. Like if I'm a huge whatever band fan, the festival is not where I'm going to like. Th- that's just not f- their show. It's they're, they're just one of the bands that are there. Even the headliners, you're getting kind of something watered down typically, versus what you're normally going to see if they're doing their own headlining I, show. I tell you what, I would like to see more just rock and roll. Uh, dumped in here too, like, like uh, uh, less less metal. Yeah, Jelly Roll. I only talk to God when I need a favor. He just won right. a fucking that, country that music actually, award. Correct. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like that is actually one that I think is actually uh, fine. Like to spice it up a little bit more. Like less. Like just a little more diversity. In no, there. not like, talking like a, like about. Th- there's there's something like that for whatever reason. Dirty Honey has gotten to the to the mix. There's a band I'm actually actually not really a fan of, but that's just straight up rock and roll. Their like new record is, is a uh, a pretty big step forward in my opinion. Good. Because prior Good. to this, I was right in there with you. I'm like, because we've talked about like, what am I missing? What are like right. the Eddie Trunks of the world hearing that I'm not? But I think the new record's still not like a, a, a total banger, but I actually enjoyed it where I couldn't say that about anything prior. 
here, but, here you go. But, There's but, more but things no, like. No, well, real quick ahead. on something you were just saying. Um, not you, because I wouldn't uh, put you in this category, but the, the part of the problem that I think the, the, the promoters of these get together is that, like, when someone like Jelly Roll or uh, uh, who's that, uh, oh, the blonde guy that got in a fight, Machine Gun Kelly, mm-hmm. when they get put on these things, people bitch. And it really doesn't seem like that many people complain about disturbed. And I'm like, why not? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that is part of it. You know what I mean? We, we, you might be an outlier in that. And like I said, for me, a festival is more about the experience, which is why I don't need four days. Right. Even if the, even if I set the lineup, I don't want four days. Uh, and I, and, and I can typically, I like a festival where you can move around. I don't like festivals that have assigned seating. I think it just kills the entire vibe. Uh, but those are my personal things. Um, but yeah, you know, what? I'll tell you what, why don't, if, if, if at some point down the road, you, you do have kind of like bands that you would like to see added, bring it up in the, in the show. I'd, I'd actually be interested in hearing that. But to me, these festivals largely, let's say there's a hundred bands and they all get 30, they're going to just shift around and it looks all the same. I don't disagree with your point. I'm just really not sure what the alternative is that you're still going to be able to sell tickets and make money. But I don't know. I think it's more the lower tier ones. Like, like what I mean by that is like, uh, I'll give you that. I'm, I'm excited to see that they have like Royal blood, the struts, um, you know, but those bands play these festivals all the fucking time too. You're right. You're right. I'm just saying the thing. I'm, you know, I I get it. And I think it's, it's all... got a cool Sebastian Box on here. You don't really Correct. see him as a reg- regular you right. know, guy. So there you go. So something like that where it's just a little bit more. Kerry King, right? Literally never it, uh, played a festival as Kerry King. Although, yeah. what's he going to play besides Slayer? <laughs> I, I get that. Like that, they're, 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 right. For I guess my whole thing is that at some point, the, the Blackville Brides, they're never, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. At some point, <laughs> the, the, Dan, the Danny Wimmer Fests, uh, yeah. there's some kind of like agreements have been made with some, a lot of these bands where mm-hmm. they just don't let, there's this other collection of bands that I think could be added in to mix it up a little bit more. That's all I'm saying is that, that like, uh, but you know what? But I'll, I'll step back from it because I can give you that list later. Okay. Um, but in in general, yes. It, it, and again, it's one of those things too where you look at it and you're like, if this was two days and you cut out some of these, I mean, there's like 30 to 40 bands here that I've never heard of before, which is kind of cool because that's how I used to discover different music. But then I look at them and um, and 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 I'll, I'll just tell you this much too. Uh, I want to read. A few of the last bands that you probably haven't heard of, and, and tell me if there's any good names left. Well, Can you just do, do that real quick? Right before you do that, I do think I'll, we should point out that if you're a white man between the age of 55 and 65, yeah, preferably single but not really a deal breaker, Nita Strauss is going to be there. I only talk to God when I need a favor. I know, right? Uh, I is know. is baby metal here? Because that's the other one that yeah. uh, creepy white guys pretend are <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. really talented. That's that's next level creep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're so. really. You know what? I was really surprised. They were actually really good. <laughs> no, they weren't. No, no, no. They're really good for five foot man and nineteen year old girls. I did not expect what I look at as jailbait to masturbate to to be able to perform metal. No, yeah. <laughs> it's like when you talk about boner, like. The guy's name was Boner. Yeah. That's what we call erections. Again, still impressed with Kirk Cameron. <laughs> That's why he can't, Kirk Cameron should not ever be offended by you doing the dick in the box joke because he had a friend named Boner. I only 
talk to God when I need a favor. All the time you were having my back? Oh, yeah. I'm not used to getting support from you. I appreciate that. Sorry, man. That's why I so misread it. I, that's on me. So on this list okay. and everything, obviously, they, 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 here's, yeah, here's the supporting bands. <laughs> I've just read off some names that okay. between, between noon and five, here are some of the bands that you'll have a chance to see at this fest. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Afterlife, Bad Nerves, Another Day Dawns, Gideon, Fire from the Gods, Catch Your Breath, Calva, Vukavi, Citizen Soldier, Kill the Robot, Moon Fever, Dying Wish, Throne. <laughs> it sounds That's... like you're doing that in the voice I used in the commercial I made for Jesus Chrysler products you can buy. Jesus Chrysler Mug. Jesus Chrysler Mug. Jesus Chrysler Mug. It's not just for coffee anymore. Wash your car. Take it for a walk. Dress it up. Slap some bass. Hold your hat. Dust the furniture. Put your smokes in it. Could be a workout, buddy. Make some toast. Play a game with it. Shoot some dice. Yes! A pen holder. Tune your guitar. Put your beer in it to keep it cold. Cuddle up and read a book with it. Your Jesus Chrysler mug is not only dishwasher safe, it's pet safe. Get your own Jesus Chrysler mug by visiting the Jesus Chrysler Facebook page today. Okay. <laughs> Stick to your guns. Hotbox. Tack. Low spirit. And my favorite, fuming mouth. Hmm. <laughs> We're going to go with here. So anyway... None of these bands were vetted. These are all one take. Let's call our band this names to me. What about Kim Dracula? I'm looking forward to her. <laughs> I know. That's some kind of like, an, an, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the uh, creative artists that do like, like take a shit on stage and rub it on all of, rub it all of themselves. She's noticed that. Mm. Is what is that called? Fecal art? <laughs> no, no, like interpretive artist, creative. It's, oh. There's a name for it. Oh, visual uh, artist or something like that? Visual like, artist, yes. Right. That's what she's known for in Australia. So she's coming from Australia so that we get there. We're well, foreigners coming in. Well, Alien Ant Farm is one of the first bands on the Jelly Roll <laughs> stage. <laughs> yeah. So you know when they play what is probably going to be their their last song, yeah. there is going to be a bunch of people going, that's a Michael Jackson song. Yeah. Did you know that?
Steve Riley, drummer for, well, he was in Wasp briefly. He was in L.A. Guns for a long time. Um, he He's done a lot of stuff uh, besides that. But, uh, yeah, he... Uh, he, uh, my understanding is he, he got pneumonia and, and, and passed away at the age of 64, I believe. I should probably Damn. look up the details. Um, so sorry to hear about that. Uh, I, you know, it's weird when you hear this stuff because, like, guys in our position, my brain immediately goes to kind of like the feud he had with the LA Guns guys. And, right. and that, that shit really doesn't matter. You know, death kind of equalizes everything. That's just, that's just your real life day to day bullshit. But, you know. Anyway, uh, I don't have a whole lot on that. I mean, I can look up the details here, but uh, uh, it was uh, it was just sad to hear is all. So, how many albums did they did he put out two under that name? I think so. Yeah, yeah, like uh, the uh, the Steve Riley's uh, L.A. Guns you're talking about, right? Right. Yeah, that that's the main reason I know that that name is is from that feud. Yeah, it's kind of weird how he ended up kind of like being a a leader of. of LA guns to a certain extent. Like he was the face and voice of the band when Tracy was out and he, you know, was a guy they kind of brought in towards the end, but yeah, he was 67. Um, and it was pneumonia. Uh, he had, he had apparently been battling it for several weeks. Uh, so anyway, uh, and, all the best he to was his on, family and son. Yes. RIP there. Um, also was he the drummer on Hollywood vampires and he wasn't on the debut. Was he? He came it in was. the second. He was on the first two. God, you know, for some, he's definitely like on the album art. Like maybe it was, I might be confused with something else. So yeah, he's in the band basically from the beginning of their from the beginning on. Yeah, instrumental band, LA scene, period. I mean, uh, I I would say if those two first two uh, albums were a little better produced and had better marketing, um, I don't know. I think it's just just, there's some just bangers on there. That's an it's it's a band uh, that I think I appreciated more later. I love the sound of of the first record. I wouldn't change a thing about that one. And the second one actually has probably the best production of their career. Maybe Hollywood Vampires is a little better produced, but um, yeah, those first three records of theirs, I I pretty much, you know, if you're into the 80s hair metal scene, those are uh, must-haves, but... And then one of them was produced, is Hollywood Vampires the one that's produced by the Look It Up and uh, Michael Jackson? Michael James Jackson. You know, let me... Uh, I think it's Hollywood Vampires. They... <clears throat> a surprise that he really didn't dabble into hard rock except for Kiss in a couple different... Uh, I think it was just... Yeah, I believe you're right. I think we talked about that when uh, when he passed away. Okay. Um, but I'm actually just looking it up here. I'm just going to pull their discography, I'm sure. I'll tighten this up and edit a little bit. Sure. Um, Hollywood Vampires, yes, produced by uh, Michael James Jackson. And since I got it up, I can just see here... Cocked and Loaded then was produced by uh, Dwayne Barron, John Purdell, and Tom Warman. Hmm. That's kind of weird. Uh, I, I think eh, I don't, I don't want to spend time getting into that. Sorry. Uh, and their debut Bue album was produced by a guy named Jim Faraci. So uh, I love the rawness of that first record. Uh, to me, that kind of went more in line with what uh, Guns N' Roses was doing at that time. And I think that was the intent. We know Tracy's connection to, to that band. So... Uh, Anyway, but yeah, just uh, rest in peace, uh, Steve.
happened to catch our friend uh, Jay from the Hook Rocks. He did an interview with Don Dawkin. And he dropped a pretty big bombshell. <laughs> I can't wait. Great get for Jay to have this quote because it definitely picked up the 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 headlines. Uh, uh, <laughs> Netflix is making a docking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is left for a biopic? Docking now. Part of me was, wants to be critical. Like, you got to push back on that one, Jay. Uh, but I don't know that I would have. Um, and, and the one thing is I'm giving him a bit of a pass. He didn't directly address Don's horrible singing live lately. Mm-hmm. But it came up. And it came up kind of organically. And to me, that kind of counts as at least being on the, on, the, on the interview. And I think Don, he just reiterated something he said recently in another interview. And I, I'll give him a little bit of credit. He's like, if you don't like the way I sound, just don't come. Mm-hmm. To which I say, deal. Right. Uh, but <laughs> but so at least it was addressed. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah. that, you know, because, I, you know, I, a while back I called out people of our look like, I don't, no more bullshit. You're going to interview George Lynch talking about doing a new Doc and Song or a record with Don or Don's going to say we're doing a new album. And you're not going to uh, address the fact that this guy there's it's it's not like it's one YouTube video. Let's stop acting like this is just a bad night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was actually surprised that it was not a great record, but it's not bad. The new Dokken, uh, and Don, I, I Don can ahead. sing pretty, it, it, it's, it's, it's a much lower register than, than his heyday, obviously, but he seems to have found a key that at least he can go in and hammer out one song at a time. Um, I don't, obviously he can't make it through a show nowadays, but uh, so you know what? At least kudos for that. But he did say, "This is absolutely the last record I'll ever do." The guy's seventy years old, man. You're old enough to get social security. Let's just pack it in. Yeah, man. Live off, live off the man. Exactly. The man, the you, man was living off of you. You, you live off in. the man. Yeah, that's right. Get get your return. It's uh, it's the long game, right? Just making it to sixty five. Here's the other thing too: is that that I'll tell you my review of the Dokken album is it you listen to it. I did. Oh, wow. I listened, well, I'm I listened to it. I listened to the first couple uh, 30, 30 seconds to a minute of each song, and oh. I can tell you my review is is simply I felt out of breath after listening <laughs> to it. He sounds winded on every track. I don't care how much bit. stuff is being used in there, but I felt like this guy, he actually sounds like he is uh, is putting in the work, and the work sounds like it is working him. I I want to push back on some of the people out there because it's now that we have all this talk about AI and studio magic, whether it's the stone, basically anytime anybody old releases something, it's like, well, sure, you can tell they did a lot to help his vocals. The fuck you can. You have no fucking idea. Listen to it. Unless it's like like the, the effect you put on Ozzy's voice in Planet Caravan, just a clean, straight vocal. You don't know. I mean, it could be, it could not be, but don't sit and act like you're some fucking audio expert because I don't know. To me, this sounds like Don at 70 years old. Now, maybe he got some help to smooth out any intonation or or, or pitch correction. I don't know. He is a guy who is a professional singer. So mechanically, if he's not some fucking whacked out druggo, it could just be a matter of utilizing what little physical muscle he still has there. And I don't know, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Mick, Mick, Mick Jagger. 
<laughs> I don't know if you heard of him. Uh, I have. <laughs> Jesus. That guy was out fucking prancing and parading a few days after heart surgery. Yeah. You know, I and he's not like he's he's not like, you know, one of those rangy American Idol singers. No. I think this sounds like he could pull off. Again, I don't know. It's the people going, well, you know, they, you know, sure, they, you know. No, we don't. We don't. Unless you were fucking there recording it with them. You're just making a guess. So, you know what the album did make me do, though, is it made me immediately go. We're going back to, to docking? Yeah, we okay. can. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, the, the, the listen to the new Dawkins album. After listen, sampling it, I go, fuck, I haven't listened to some Dawkins in a bit. So I started listening to Back for the Attack. It was happy again. Like, just yeah. listen to that, Kiss of Death, and and uh, all the way up to, I think that, that album is still a banger, all the way up to the um, uh, Mr. Scary, then it starts falling apart a little bit. But the but that, fuck, man, that there's a reason we like these bands, mm-hmm. and when they're in the when they were in their little pocket of killing it, that was one of the pockets. And I went back to Beast for the East, which I used to have back in the day, and it was fun. So, Dokken, good good band back in the day. Don's been saying for a while now, but fairly recent history, in in my memory, I should I should clarify mm-hmm. that the song "Kiss of Death" is about AIDS. And okay. that to me seems a bit revisionist. Like that's yeah. how serious and deep I was in the eighties is kind of what he's really trying to say, because yeah. that's a pretty fucking upbeat song about AIDS. Look, and you can read the lyrics and in that sense and go, well, I can see where he's talking about AIDS, but I don't recall him saying, yes, I wrote a song about AIDS back in the day. I do remember that will the sunrise was about, you know, the possibility of nuclear war, uh, back back in the day, so uh, but who knows? The the whole interview with Jay is really good, but it has a lot of that um, bullshit bravado that a lot of these old timers give you, like you know, right. where where you get a guy like Jakey e. Lee, where it's pretty cut a vein and just straight up honest, good, bad, however you interpret it is up to the listener, and then you got guys like Mark Torian. Who still think you know? It's like, yeah, I mean, the Bullet Boys sold 50, 60 million records. It's like, no, you didn't. So, yeah. Now but, the cool thing about that though is that that up until now I didn't know you could get AIDS from kissing. Hmm. Yeah, it's a metaphorical kiss of death. Because when you kiss, you end up inserting your penis into a vagina. The the, the first title was a water fountain of death. <laughs> well, we could get or, AIDS from a water fountain. It was, it was, uh, and then he tried fuck of death. Right, um, wasn't a pass. It was, it was what a about pass like from the record company? Bang a chick of death, you know something? That, I don't know. Not totally not into dudes. AIDS came from monkeys' death. Yeah. <laughs> so the going back to the Netflix movies, I hope they get into these topics and have this stuff. Uh, well, <laughs> We're, there's zero chance Netflix is making a docking movie, right? I fuck man. There's so many. The only thing I can think of is, is a they have to constantly have content. Number two is there actually is a story of conflict. Conflict that this is much more interesting than say a Def Leppard movie, where the only thing that is is that you keep losing people and you lose arms. I don't know. I'm gonna say no, but it's it, you know what? There's all those things on in quote development hell. So there might be some grain of truth at some point. Oh, I, somebody I th- made the yeah, pitch. Yeah, I think there is probably a sliver of truth. Like right. there is some project on Netflix that he has a small involvement in, whether it's a documentary uh-huh. or a movie about the the sun, maybe a mini series about the, the Sunset Strip. 
and they they run into docking somewhere. You know what I mean? But there is no way. And and I base this only on popularity. Now, the, the only kickback anybody can give me on that would be The Runaways. But that movie didn't even do $1 million at the box office. I think that taught everybody like, oh, not every band is going to draw people in like a Queen movie or Elton John. So. Right. Or even Motley Crue, because Motley Crue couldn't get it really... I mean, they had no interest in a theatrical release from anybody, so they go to Netflix. But it's all about the numbers. Maybe they're like, hey, maybe there's a certain amount of people that will keep their Netflix subscription if they know that there's a docu- documentary coming out next month. <laughs> well, you, you know damn well I'm watching it. <laughs> but on that... Uh, the, you know what it might be, too? Is that somebody said, listen, listen I'm going to pitch this in a meeting, but we're, really what it is is there, there's also the art of the pitch where you pitch... Two or three really bad ideas, but you save your really good one for <laughs> you save your really good one for later. So you start out with Dokken, yeah. Then you then you mention uh, I don't know Warned? something on something on Striper, yeah. and then you go to the right one. <laughs> oh God, who would be the next? Uh, I don't. Know, is there anybody? Yeah, maybe Poison. I think you could do. I think I think a biopic on Poison for Netflix is sort of believable. What's the story there? Except that they've put a bunch Who of makeup cares? on. Nobody oh, okay. like these stories <laughs> are all conflict? made up anyway. It's like oh, okay, yeah, you know, but it's it's just going to be a bunch of bullshit, and, you know. And uh, my God, uh, speaking, I just, I just want a biopic on everything after Poison that Brian Michaels has done. <laughs> 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 that and like one on Vince Neil, but all the products and stuff. Oh God, <laughs> dude, I, we need a trickster. Uh, biopic because there's tons of drama, but I want it to be about Trickster right now, right so, now. Yeah, because this, this, yeah, specific eras. That's what'd be good. We should produce that. Where we just produce documentaries on the lean years of every band. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we did it, it would be sweet. It would be. <laughs> there is a um, an interview with the former Trickster drummer. I don't know how that that all, they all break out. It's just Trickster. I gotta yeah. read some of this to you. Um, so, so, uh, his name is Mark Scott Gus is the original drummer of Trickster. So let me see, make sure I get this at the right spot. He was on an interview, he was interviewed recently and he was asked about some comments that Steve Brown made about him and basically calling him, basically saying, I'm never going to play with that guy again. That's a non-starter. He's doesn't really matter because he's only an adequate drummer anyway. So he's asked to respond to this. I have no response. It's like, come on, go look at YouTube and take a fucking look, tough guy. I played in front of millions of people. Mm. I don't know what the point is there. Does If a million people pl- see you play, does that make you good? Nope. I don't, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, but he keeps going. When they put that out, I responded by putting out on an article more recently, a show we did opening for Brett Michaels at the Massachusetts Center for uh, in, in Springfield, Massachusetts. And it was a very favorable, favorable review highlighting me out of anybody in the band. <laughs> now, I never really bumped it with a trumpet to that regard because that's not really my thing. Bumped it with a trumpet, that's a new phrase for I'm, me. I'm writing that down. Yeah. But I felt it was appropriate at the time to just shed a little light on what was really up. And it stemmed from... I don't know, a bad taste in somebody's mouth and because it's really not my thing. But I felt it was appropriate at that time to just shed a little light on what was really up and it stemmed from, I don't know, uh, and and that's kind of how it worked. But what prompted it, it was, it's actually quite funny. I quit the band at the end of uh, the summer in 2017 and nobody heard a word about anything until like 2020, 21. So it's like, wait a minute, what happened? 
I didn't talk to those guys at all during that time, so something flared up within them. Something, and it certainly wasn't propagated by me, maybe some old festering shit. So when you bring up the word jealousy, I wonder if that plays in more recently with things that are doing. I don't know. The fact that I have have to be brought up in the conversation is very interesting. I'm being that I'm not associated with any other rock act at this point, but they keep pulling me back in. Ha ha ha. That's literally nothing was said in a three year period. I did a remake of Give It To Me Good, and it turned out really good. So I did my own version because those guys didn't want to do anything to celebrate the 30th anniversary. It had a uh, country feel to it. So that's a lot of fucking word vomit that doesn't say anything. No, like, I, I, was, I, I learned nothing more. So he didn't expose anything about the... the now, here's the rumor that basically Steve Brown owned the tri- Trickster trademark, let it lapse, and Mark Scott bought it. Mm. And that is what is causing. Now, there's no confirmation of this, but the, the host, Stephen, uh, Stefan Attica, brings that up. Uh, so here's what Mark said to that. I do not. I don't own it. No, that's the truth. When he was asked again, like about basically bringing up the rumor that like, well, that's a different question. Uh, well, that's a different question. <laughs> it's kind of. God, sorry, this is kind of jumping around. Well, that's a different question. It's kind of weird. I never really wanted to exploit the truth of what was up because it makes the band look bad. It makes everybody look bad. It's not good for the brand, and that's a problem. But maybe that's something we can talk about in the future. But yeah, it's kind of funny when someone acts as if they're sitting on a throne, but they realize they have a cardboard chair they're sitting on, and I think you have to be careful when you adopt that attitude. And I think if you run a show that way, it should be understood that that's the show you're running. But you should legitimately own the throne if you're going to attempt to sit on it. And I think that was the problem of the rift at some point. Does he own it or not? It seems like he just said both. He's like, the truth is, I do not own it. Really? Because they said you did. Well, I didn't want to bring it up because it makes the band look bad. And then he talks about a cardboard throne that he doesn't own. (laughs) By the way, a cardboard throne is what Lars Ulrich brings to every photo shoot. Nice. Yeah. I thought it was a stack of magazines, hustlers. (laughs) The same hustlers from from the 80s. Just Uh, brings them. Yeah, that, I mean, all I know is that there better be a solo album called Bump It With a Trumpet. <laughs> that does sound like a euphemism, man. God damn, I love it. Uh, I, how, I, there's I, so I, many, every time there's a, there's a turn of phrase that I, that I run into, I keep it. I put it in a little thing, you know, like a dead, I'm going to beat it with a dead horse. Beat, beat this trumpet like, like a, what do you think? I'm going to bump it. When, bump I say, trumpet, when, I say things, when I say things too many times, say, <coughs> you're bumping it with a trumpet. I think we can have our rocks not dead. It's bumping so. with the trumpet. Bump it with the trumpet. Yeah, I think we should change the name of the, sh- the show. Look, it's just fucking trickster. Who cares? Exactly. Uh, it's only interesting because of the drama. <laughs> of course. I'm just glad I got to see the original band one last time. I've never seen any band get more uh, write-ups on sites like Metal Sludge and whatnot over the years when I still, I think I've never heard a song by them. Maybe I've heard their one hit and that's it. Give it and to somehow, me good. Never heard it. Hmm. I think you have.
Yeah, well, they did open for Kiss during their spectacular <laughs> revenge tour, but somehow I still never heard it. I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it came late. I don't know. Uh, no, it was there. All it was right. full. Packed. Got bounced from an overbooked plane. <laughs> man, he, he's but the guy rough, flies private. He has a rough year. He's having a rough year, man. Yeah, he, he went on Twitter and he's like, "I think Delta. It doesn't matter. Whatever airline he was flying. Hey, you know how you avoid uh, not having to kick bump people from a flight because you overbooked it? Don't overbook it. Ooh, Ooh that's a hot take, Dave. Are you doing stand up in the mid eighties? Man, yeah. What's know, next? That's... Bag fees. Ooh, man. Yeah, you well, charge. just give me a complete price. Yeah. Bag fees are ridiculous and overpriced. I got to tell you, I'm pretty sure he's going to take that anger and fuel it into us to an album and a song that sounds just like everything else he's ever put out. <laughs> There's a place called The Billy Goat where <laughs> you can get a cheeseburger in a Pepsi. If you type in Dave Draymond... Into Google. Do you know what the first Google auto suggest is? Uh, Fogo de Chow? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Height. Uh, height. That's the first question people ask. It's 5'7, uh, okay. by the oh, way. Okay. Well, really? Yeah. He carries it well. By the way, I just want to say that he's not 5'7 because on his official profile, he has his height as 5'6 <laughs> <laughs> So that means he's not even 5'6. Yeah, you got shoes on. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, Ozzy was at a book signing or some kind of, I think it was a record signing, something. He was signing shit somewhere. And not only did he stay longer than his allotted time, but uh, he looked horrible. And I just feel bad for the guy. I, I think part of him wants to get out there and do this. I, it's easy to, to blame Sharon. But Jesus, I, I, I don't even understand the fans that show up and go, well, I still got to get this. I, th I would walk away. I would feel bad getting an autograph from Ozzy looking at the way he looked. I just, as I much as once you cool, were there, you'd still want to get an autograph. You wouldn't no. say, like, I'm going to go away. Well, What's going to hurt him? It, He's already it, there. Is money involved? Then I would oh, be like, well. Sure. But if it was just like, well, you can get in the line and get an autograph from Ozzy, I would look at him and I would walk away. 100%. Mm. If I paid 50 bucks and I was told to be there I would, and I expected it to be a little cleaner, because, you know, you, we are hearing reports that he's moving better. Uh, so hopefully things are good, but yeah, I just, it's just, you it's, know what? I, I don't need to see him like this and, and uh, look, it's his call. It's fine. I, I mean, just, I do. I, I mean, 
I, I would stay in line just because I would want to share with him the fact that the first time I heard his latest album, I didn't like it. But then over time, you know, over a couple months, it got better for me, and it ended up being my album of the year because mm. I would want him to know that about me because it's all about me. <laughs> that goes back to our first conversation. <laughs> Oh, God, it's been a very multifarious show, that's for sure. It really has. Um, uh, but uh, I don't really have much on that. I just wanted to mention that. I, I feel bad because, you know, who doesn't love Ozzy? He's basically the, the Dolly Parton of metal. Um, yes. Speaking of the Dolly Parton of metal, we haven't really talked about the new Judas Priest. Yeah, I assume you've heard this song. Uh, I have not. I've only heard the... Oh, yes, yes, I have heard the new song. Yes, let's talk about that. Um, Sorry. I was thinking about the fact that I heard the first time I... I don't know how old it is. But the, the uh, uh, a turnaround song. Oh, that you had Halford on it. The yeah, last, with last... it's off the new Doro. It just that is a new just version. came okay. out. Yeah, because every time I hear that though, and it's on our show, I keep thinking it's going to be that that old that school version. Saying, yeah, the old school version. Yeah. Fucking fucking. Yeah, that was a that was a perfect moment in time. It really um, was. Yeah, I liked it a little bit, but because right away it kind of gave me kind of screaming for vengeance kind of vibes. But then it just kind of gets in um, and kind of reminds me more of Firepower. By the way, I finally picked up a copy of Firepower yesterday shopping with Alex. Found it oh, used okay. at uh, Electric Fetus. So. Cool. Yeah, the, the, for, for, it may, for me, it was like everything in a blender. Like it starts yeah. with uh, – like I think I put my thing out on our page or whatever. It's, it's basically – it starts kind of sound like Turbo or it sounds almost like a soundtrack you'd hear – in an 80s montage like Rocky IV, like even getting fit and shit. Yeah. Um, just the first like, but then it segues into almost like painkiller vibes-ish, like that chorus. But I could tell you that it sounds like a ton of riffing going back and forth, but at the end when it stops, I can't remember the chorus. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I already, do you remember the title of it? I don't. There, yeah. you, there you go too. And what's it called? Like something invisible shield? What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Hmm. We should probably have that information in front of us. But that picture of the band where they're like at a uh, place where they're supposed to get their drop off their keys at like a uh, some place. They have a picture of the band where they look like they're at the valet stand and they're all standing behind like a podium. And it has a picture of the album Invisible Shield that looks like it was photoshopped on it. It's a very odd yeah. uh, group picture. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I, I haven't seen that. I can look it up oh. here. The, the album's called Invincible Shield. Invincible. And okay. the song is Panic Attack. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, it, it's also like, it's like a four-hour intro. <laughs> yeah. It feels like four hours, but I think it's like 45 seconds. I know what you're saying, though. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's okay. And, and honestly, at this stage of the game, it, it's more representative of of their heyday than what a lot of people are putting out, but uh, right, I don't, right. I don't think it's as good as Ozzy's last stuff, you know. No. So if you want to go there, by the way, I I saw the comic book version of that CD uh, at uh, down in the valley yesterday for nineteen ninety nine. I almost bought it. You oh know, man! You know what I saw all over the place was that new fucking Shot at the Devil box set, oh. and I'm like, God, I want that, but it is so I. It's just, Alex was telling me that price is going to drop because it was like $320 in the store. I think you can get it for about $250 on Amazon. But mm -hmm. I'm like, that fucker needs to come a long way down before. Because I'm really just buying a candle holder and a Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I would love it if they released that vinyl with that kind of blood splatter clear vinyl. I think that's kind of cool looking. Uh, I'd probably pay $40, $50 just for that. But there's Trust not enough me. bonus shit on there that I need. That it, for, I mean, honestly, the bonus shit these things come on, I'm perfectly fine having the ability to, to stream it on YouTube. 
So right, right. I, I, I mean, I, on all that too. I mean, uh, you can probably get the Creatures of the Night box set now at, at around a hundred dollars. I would think. Oh really? I should look into for, that. Well, you can look. I mean, I'm, I've seen it as low as that, and probably on Black Friday, whoever has it listed on Amazon, I'm sure you can snatch okay. that up for a, a more reasonable price. That's, That's what a I'm hot saying. Tip like, for all years. the listeners too. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. If you want Black- that thing, because that was that was a nice package. I might drop a hundred exactly. on that. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I, do, I, I almost texted you. I don't know if you want that. Do you want that comic book, uh, CD? If I see it, I again? want the CD. Uh, um, I want the, there's a vinyl version that has that. Okay. Little, this was the CD version. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. At some point I'll get it. Cause I do think that's a very cool cover. That they- so let's, uh, let's, uh, end here with, uh, Ace really has said his new album's coming out and it's going to make Steve, uh, it's going to make Paul Stanley look like an imbecile. I, I don't know if you saw that quote, but I got a chuckle out of it. Uh, that's already been done. It began with talking about what his favorite dinosaur was on stage. Lick a lot of puss. Yeah. I guess Paul, didn't know. Paul, Paul can make himself look bad enough. He doesn't need Ace to help out, but, uh, no. No, he um, eats it. Like, uh, now, can we have a make make some noise drop here, please? I need one. And that song, that song, I cannot get out of my head that you created. Yeah, one, I, two, three. I don't four. know how much credit I can take. Like, uh, like I, I dropped in a a, a little bit, but uh. listen, there are people that that all they do is they take different people's stuff, edit them together, put it out as their their own stuff, and and you did the same thing. So be proud. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm the the, the spangetti of uh, make some noise, but uh, make some noise. <laughs> I'm also the guy that rips people that do that, but uh, so Ace Frehley's got a new album coming out, and he basically he's you know kind of promoting it. And he was on a thing called Zack Attack on ninety three point five FM Max mm-hmm. out of Muncie, Indiana. You familiar with that station? I am okay. uh, not. I'm familiar with Muncie, which okay. is where Ball State is, which is where David Letterman went to college. And uh, there's my. Information. Continue. Well, if everything went well, in Ace's words, the record was delivered to the record company on Monday, October 30th. So um, so he, he talks about the record a little bit, not just about Paul Stanley. He says, it may be the best album I've ever done. Kudos to him for not saying this is the best thing I've done since the 78th solo album. Mm-hmm. This is progress in my mind. Um, and it's the first time he co-wrote most of the songs with Steve Brown from Trickster. He's a great songwriter. I'm a great songwriter. And we put our two heads together, and the songs came out doubly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Math checks out. I've never written with that many people. Most of the songs I write by myself. I might get a little help from somebody, but this album is pretty much co-written, co-written by Steve and myself. And he goes on to talk about Steve being his good friend, my good friend Steve Brown. And then says, I hadn't met him until slightly a year ago when my wife, who knew him in the 90s, or my girlfriend who knew him in the 90s, introduced me to him. Does that hey, sound now. like a good friend? That sounds like a someone you recently met and are striking up a good relationship with. There you are. Yes. That your wife used to fuck in the 90s. So, Possibly. Or girlfriend. Sorry, I don't think they're married. Yeah. But, yeah. Continue, please. Uh, um, but anyway, yeah, he goes on to say it's going to make Paul Stanley look like an imbecile. I think he's referring to comments about... Ace's ability to play. Ace would mm-hmm. would make Kiss look like shit if he came up, you know, 
Um, <laughs> what, what is what was this quote that got Ace all pissed off? Your trash or I uh, you know the whole Shall we? Stanley likes magic. Is it the to the apology? In se- you have seven days yeah. to apologize. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, something anyway. to do with his ability. Yeah. Anyway, so. Good luck, Ace. I'm looking forward to another unnecessary purchase for my Kiss collection. Um, at least it's not another Origins record, although we'll wait to see the track list. So. And the name of the album again? Oh, he has a name on it? I think it was like 10,000 volts or something to do with electricity. Um, I hear it says it's called Blues Magoos. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. I don't see anything on here. Um I hadn't seen a, a title, so if you got that, that's a that's a scoop. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. But it, but, but it's always factors of my my whole thing is there's a hundred thousand years. There's a what's the what's the song that Gene had with the the million on um on a Psycho Circus. The oh, you're track. talking about uh, a journey of a thousand years. Journey of a thousand years. So that okay, so it's a hundred thousand years. There's journey of a thousand years, and this is ten thousand volts. So they're all they're on they like their. Even numbers or whatever. Yeah, Ace likes Zero. anything to do with the electricity or space. Apparently, he Correct. equates those two: lightning bolts yes. and space. Yes, I think that was maybe the volts that he got shocked at in Lakeland, Florida, that got him. The, I had uh, never heard that story. <laughs> no, I've never heard it before. But I think that's the amount of volts. He you know, did they them. consider going wireless after that? I think they did. <laughs> that's for you, Matt Porter. Mm. All right. Uh, well, hey, man, this has been fun. Um, uh, I'm going to get get the fuck out of here. Rock is not dead. We're going to bump it with a trumpet. They say I need some roguing to put in my hair. Work it out at the gym to fit my underwear. Oakley makes the shades a transform. I got 20 minutes to see now. Please shut up. <laughs> there's, there's your Easter egg. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. 
Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 